0: Welcome. Thank you for listening to this wholesome word by David Entry. The words you catch will change your world. May your story change from this message. Be blessed. Colossians chapter 2 from verse 9 through to verse 15. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principalities and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead. And you, Being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them openly, triumphing over them in it, here ends the reading of God's holy word. Father, we thank you for bringing us together for the purpose of fellowshipping and fellowshipping with you and with one another. And as we fellowship and hear your word, let your word bring yourself into us. Let your word bring us into new dimensions of grace. Let your word bring us into new frontiers of our destinies. In fulfilling our purpose in you, let your word bring your glory to bear in our lives. For we all with unveiled faces beholding us in a mirror are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Unveil our faces and let the word be made clear to us. Give us enlightenment and insight into your word. As your word is taught, heal the sick, deliver the captive, save the lost. In the name of Jesus, let the power of sin and the power of hell be broken by the hammer of your word. Amen. In Jesus' name, all this to your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. In our last session on Colossians, we spoke about how we are completing him. That speaks volumes. That's the summation of Christianity. In Colossians chapter three, verse four, it says, when Christ who is our life, all right, Christ. The essence of Christianity is Christ becomes your life. Christ is my life. So Paul in Philippians chapter one, verse 21, it says, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. My living is an expression of Christ. I'm not trying to tick boxes. I'm not trying to obey laws. I'm just trying to live him. So, Christianity is Christ, and Christ is Christianity. So, it says that you are complete in him, which also means, I'm about to say something very profound and very important. Religion has dictates and demands so for you to be a very good religionist (laughs) or a very good religious person there are sets of laws or ordinances it's ordained sets of ordinances that you are supposed to adhere to you are supposed to follow there's a way you have to pray There's a way you have to laugh, there's a way you have to behave, and all that. As long as you can follow those sets of ordinances, religion teaches that it guarantees you access to the supernatural. So religion is very much about sets of principles that one has to engage in to have a right standing with deity. So every religion in the world has things people have to do in order to be right before God. Every religion. So it's normally said, your sanctification, that's your right behavior before your justification, before your right standing. Christianity is not your right behavior that guarantees your right standing, else that criminal on the cross could not make it to heaven because he hasn't behaved right. He didn't get a chance to behave. He just was stuck on the cross. And we all understood that he was a criminal. It wasn't like a miscarriage of justice. He was actually a criminal. He admitted it. He said to his fellow dying thief that we are suffering for our wrongs, and we rightfully deserve to suffer what we are suffering. He knew it. In Luke chapter 23, verse 42 and 43, he told the other guy, we deserve it. But Christ is not dying for anything he has done. So, religion shows you what to do in order to be accepted by God. But Christianity says that if you can be in Christ, you are complete so long. You you don't have to do anything. Being in Christ makes you complete. The songwriter says that dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless stand before the throne. You being faultless before the throne, it can only be the name of Christ. In Romans chapter 10 verse 3, it says that the Jews, they were practicing their own form of righteousness. So it says that for they being ignorant of, did you see that? God's righteousness. God's, not that God's behaving right. No, this means that the God's righteousness is an acceptable. Uh, uh, what makes anybody acceptable before God? All right. So God has His own system that will make you acceptable before Him. It's called God's righteousness. The law was from God. But if you think you are going to obey a set of rules in order to look clean before God, you can't make it because it falls below the standard of God. Not the law, but your attempt, because how many of us have attempted to be very right for a long time and it doesn't last? <laughs> we all tried. even your Christian, some of us are Christians, and you, you still, people don't have to know you. Because if they find out, sometimes there are thoughts that go through your mind and you entertain. No, not that you are even doing anything wrong, but sometimes the thought of even slapping this guy, <laughs> they'll think you are not good enough. <laughs> so, Romans says that. God's Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says that for in it, talking about the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness of God is like packaged and hidden in the gospel. Hallelujah. And as you preach the gospel, it brings to bear the righteousness of God. So he said for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed when you receive it by faith as soon as you receive the gospel by faith then you realize you have you actually you are actually right before god you are starting you haven't done anything but you are just right before god why because you heard the gospel and put your faith in christ you put your faith in christ and that faith in christ that you exercise makes you right before god it's called the righteousness of god so romans chapter 10 verse 3 it says that for they being that's talking about the jews how do you know it's the Jews? When you go and read the two verses before. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. Their own. This is, if I do this, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. This is based on what I've been told I should do, I should do. that. That's why the Pharisees were so big and they have actually imported or concocted and developed complicated ways that are based on human tradition of adding to the laws of God. They've developed complicated. That's why I said that verse 8 talks about tradition. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 said, Beware lest anyone spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the rudiments of this world, not after Christ. Then it says that in Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are completed him. All right. So not all the things they are saying never makes you sufficiently acceptable before God but if you can come in Christ you actually the right, you are complete when it comes to righteousness yeah, So Romans chapter 10 verse 3, it said they're trying to establish, God. they didn't know they are ignorant about God's righteousness All people who practice religion are ignorant about God's righteousness because if you knew God's righteousness, you wouldn't settle for this less you will never attempt getting close to God based on how good you are behaving. So it says that having not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now look at the verse 4. Let's all read it together. For is the end. Christ is the end. In other words, the, the Greek word translated end means the termination. Or the fullness, the fu- sorry, the fulfillment. So when we talk about Christ is the end of the law, it's not necessarily talking about the way Matthew chapter 5, I think verse 17 and 80, Jesus says that I did not come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill. The Son of Man came to fulfill Matthew chapter, verse, uh, to fulfill, not to destroy but to fulfill it. So when the Greek word translated, the end of the law is the fulfillment of the law. all right, that, It's not in that sense how everything that has been written, Christ has come to fulfill it. Now, Christ being the end of the law is not necessarily that... Even though this is correct that Christ fulfills it, that end of the law is not meaning that He has finished; He has fulfilled all the law. So that's it. Now, neither is it like in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty-one, when on the cross, Bible says that God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now, what it mean, it doesn't mean like Christ has done obeyed all the law. He did, okay. But in Romans chapter ten, verse four. That's not what it's referring to. When he say Christ, the end of the law, it's not like he has done it now. The law is finished. But what it means is that you don't need the law anymore to be righteous before God. You know, so as long as your righteousness, your appearance before God is concerned to look right, you don't need any set of nothing. All you need is Christ because you are con- <laughs> <laughs> if I were you, i would really shout, Hallelujah! Say I'm complete in Him. I'm complete so in him. we are complete in Him, and so our righteous, the, all the righteous demands of the law, have, have already been met. I don't need to look. I don't need to look for what do I do or what don't I have to do. Does it doesn't mean that if I'm in Christ, that I can behave any 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 way? Oh, not necessarily. Not necessarily, but the point I'm making is that it is not your behavior that makes you just before God. But then when you have a relationship with God, it begins to bear fruits of righteous behavior. But it's not those works that makes you acceptable before God, but it's your acceptance to God that empowers you to be able to live like Him. That's why we are complete in Christ. Now, today I want to... Talk mainly entitle the message on there is so much more to the cross. So much more to the cross. Tell someone there is so much more to the cross. So So now Paul tells us, the scripture tells us that we are complete in Christ. Then the next statement in the verse 11, Colossians chapter 2 verse 11, says that, in whom, talking about in Christ, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. I mean, that is interesting. How can you talk about circumcision without hands? It's like making a phone call without a phone. <laughs> you need hands to circumcise. But it says that our kind of circumcision, oh, also if you are Christ, are you circumcised? Oh, yes. So it's that in whom, in Christ, ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Now, in Philippians chapter three verse three, it talks about how we put no confidence in the flesh, for we are the circumcision. When you're talking about those who are actually circumcised, he said, we are the circumcision. Now, just, just to make matters very clear for us, in the New Testament, for, okay, let me give you a scripture for that. In Acts chapter 10, verse 45, the Bible uses that word circumcision, right? Now it said, this is where Peter was speaking and the Holy Spirit decides to bypass Peter's authority and Peter's actions uses peter's preaching he said all i need is just preach the gospel and when the gospel was preached god said now peter stand aside not stop preaching as he was preaching verse 44 whilst peter yet speak the holy spirit started moving in a way that didn't require his permission because if the holy spirit has asked peter can i fall on this?" If peter say no they are not circumcised they are gentiles even when he had to go to the gentiles house he had a, re- a whole revelation had to come from heaven to him how you have to go to it's okay to go to gentiles house a home of a gentile because the regime has changed it's okay to go and guess what in chapter 11 when he had gone back people made a made sure chapter 11 Acts chapter 11 verse 1 2 3 there was a major complaint Serious, the bread in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word. Look at the next verse. We are going to verse 3. And when Peter had come to Jerusalem, they, you see that word again, they that were of the circumcision contended with Peter. In other words, they challenged him. Give me a living translation so that we can see how, what, the new living translation. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. Also, oh, who are the circumcision? The Jews. They are Jews, but they have believed. They are in Christ. Okay. The Jewish believers, so day of the circumcision, they challenge Peter. What was the problem? How dare you go to a Gentile's home? How dare you? Now that we are even closer to God. You are going to a Gentile's home where basic Jews don't do it. So they were importing Jewish systems, Jewish norms into Christianity and demanding that all Gentile believers, if you want to be a true Christian, you have to be (laughs) circumcised. And so that's why Paul wrote the book of Galatians. Galatians was written to address all these things because circumcision in Acts chapter 10, is the day of the circumcision. Now, that phrase circumcision was meant for Jewish believers or the Jews. But now in Philippians chapter 3, he said, we are the... So. Remember, it didn't say Judeans, those who live in Judah, Jerusalem territory. But it's a Philippian. Philippi is a Gentile territory. Philippi. So this was written to the Gentile believers. And he was telling the Gentile believers, listen, don't worry about those people. We are the circumcision. Wow. We are the... Which worship God in the Uh uh-oh ah now defining what it means to be the actual circumcision in the new testament terms if we worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh so it's either the flesh or the spirit that is why it says that we have been circumcised with circumcision that didn't need hands because the circumcision that needed hands was physical but there's another type of circumcision. Now, there's a, look, Romans chapter 4, verse 11 and uh, verse 12. That's a nice one. I think I quoted the last time. This is talking about Abraham. Abraham received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness of faith which he had, yet being circumcised. So before he was circumcised, he had a certain type of righteousness before he got circumcised. So these Jews who are thinking that righteousness is based on circumcision, he's saying that Abraham had a type of righteousness and he had it before he was circumcised. He says that that he might be the father of all them that believe, not only Jews. So Abraham would he have qualified to be our father if his faith was not based, or his standing before God was not based on faith, and it was based on physical action. Then that he can be the father of the Jews, but not all believers. But all believers, Abraham is our father because before the Jews even came into existence, Abraham was having our type of faith. He had our type of faith. That is why in Galatians chapter 3, it talks about how, verse 9, Galatians 3 9, Abraham, it says that, so then, oh, can we read that from the screen, please? Let's go loud. So then, So whatever blessing God gave to Abraham when Abraham met God, he says that if you are of faith, then when he was blessing him, you were on his mind. Wow. You are part of that blessing. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So that those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham. So now in Romans chapter 4 verse 11, he's talking about how for Abraham to be the father of all those who believe, he was able to exercise his faith and had a certain type of righteousness before he was even circumcised physically. But look at verse 12. Romans chapter 4 verse 12. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had been yet uncircumcised. So he had a certain faith when he was in, and at the same time, Abraham is a very powerful man. At the same time, he is the father of all those who are circumcised. So for the physical Jews, is their father. But the physical Jews said, you, you are not part of it. And now, the Holy Spirit is saying that the physical Jews are the sons of Abraham, and we are, in fact, Romans chapter two, verse 29, that's even more powerful. Romans chapter two, verse 29. Let's start from verse 28. Romans chapter two, verse 28. This, This is getting quite interesting. You see, that's why you have to read your Bible. If you don't read your Bible, somebody will be telling you what the Bible is saying. (laughs) And it might not be entirely so. So you have to read your Bible. For he is not a Jew, which is one outward, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. Verse 29. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that Do you know that no one can use their hands to circumcise your heart? Not even a heart specialist. (laughs) They can't circumcise your heart. This is talking about not the physical heart. It's talking about the core of you. When you are born again, something has happened to the core of you. In putting away the flesh, when you are born again, you don't live Comfortably after the flesh. So then, back to Colossians chapter 2 verse 11. It talks about how in whom ye, who are the ye, you and I. You and I, the believers, those who are in Christ, in whom ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without sin, in putting off the body of sins, or the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So circumcision really means putting off the sins of the flesh or the body of flesh. Putting it off. Doesn't you are dying physically, but it means that you are not living based on your natural and carnal instincts. That's what it means to be circumcised, what it means to be in Christ. But pastor, it looks like what you are saying is very far from me, even though I'm born again. Yeah, you are born again, but you are not living according after the spirit. You can be born again and still live after the flesh. Even though you have been circumcised on the inside, you are still practicing and living after the flesh. So there are many people who are born again, and yet they walk in the flesh. Wow. That's why in Galatians chapter 5 and 16, walk in the spirit so you don't fulfill the desires of the. Unfortunately, your flesh never gets born again. It will never be born again and it can't. That's why you still have your desires. You still have some feelings that you used to have before you became born again. Yeah. It looks like you haven't changed, but the core of you has encountered the word of God. And that is why Paul in Philippians, he said, work out. Because something has been worked into you. That's oh, that's why we are accepted before God. Be careful when you are judging a Christian. You might be judging them based on the external. But God said, that's my boy. That's my baby. That's my daughter. That's my girl. God, why is he your girl? He's, he, 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 still, he still stinks. She stinks, he stinks. You remember Lazarus came from the dead in John chapter 11, verse 39. Jesus said, Roll away the stone. Martha said, No, 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 you can't roll away the, the guy stinks, he stinks. He's dead for four days, he stinks. Some people who live with you, they look at you and they condemn you. They say, You say you are born again. And look at you, you say you are born again. And even some church people, Judaizers, all wow. yes, yes, yes. oh, they are interested in how you are behaving. They just keep monitoring your behavior. Keep monitoring your behavior. Keep monitoring. On. And God is not monitoring your behavior. He's monitoring your relationship. He's monitoring your faith. And listen, listen, listen. The, when you live by faith and you walk with Jesus Christ, the re- resultant effect is fruits of Christ showing your life. Don't try to do. Don't. Don't try to be doing. Don't try to be behaving right as a Christian. Live Christ. Be in union with Christ. And the fruit of your union of Christ will begin to show. That's the Christianity. Live with Christ. Christ. Your union with Christ produces works that glorify God. But religion makes you look out for works to do. So there are people who are busy taking boxes, but their hearts are far from the box they are taking. The point I'm making is that there are times that you can be ticking the boxes exteriorly, but this thing is not from the heart. And it says circumcision is of the heart. So you are not circumcised. If you are circumcised, this circumcision we're talking about, the Christ circumcision is from the heart. So, Pastor, how did that happen and when did that happen? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Not so fast. Not so fast. Let's go to the next verse, Colossians chapter 2 Verse 11. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. I read it again and then we'll get to the 12. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made with our hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Watch this. Buried with him in baptism. He has also brought baptism. So, circumcision and baptism kind of carry similar. Approach or similar implication. Now, baptism is not necessarily what saves you. When it comes to the Jews, when John the Baptist was baptized, when they come and baptize, it's a sign that they have actually changed. I've changed and I've stopped, my, I changed my works, my approach, and the way I behave has changed. But Christian baptism is not what should begin the change, it's the circumcision, being in Christ is where the change begins. And then the baptism is just a highlight. It's baptism doesn't save you. Wow. Baptism doesn't give you something you already don't have through wow. being in Christ. It's just, it's like wearing the ring. Sometimes, some of you are married, but some, there have been one or two times you forgot your ring because you were in a hurry for an interview. Yeah. <laughs> 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 did, did, did that mean you are not married? No. And there are people who have been wearing who are not married. <laughs> so it's like some of us. I got, I got baptized. I got baptized when I wasn't born again. Yeah. Uh, it was a religious tick box. And it was good. It's not evil in itself, but it doesn't mean square. Until I found... Christ. or Christ found me. I think that's a better way of putting it. I was lost. It wasn't him who was lost. I was lost. Christ found me. Until I found myself in Christ and I got the Christian baptism, which is an identification with the burial of Christ. So here in, in Colossians, it says that being buried with him in baptism wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the oppression of God who has raised him from the dead. This is all God who is at work. So you go into the water as a demonstration, illustration that, look, guys, I'm buried with Christ. So it's a statement to your ex. Oh, yeah. It's a statement to your family that I'm a different man. I'm a different woman. You changed before you went into the water, but you are going to the water to now make it public. That's why baptism is never private. And if you are genuinely born again and you are ashamed to do baptism publicly, there's a question mark on your faith. So he says that, one, he said we are circumcised, and in him we are baptized. What brings the circumcision and what brings the baptism? This is all pointing to one thing. Something Because he says that we are buried with him in baptism. So that means we died with him. Where did he die? There is something about the cross that if you are not careful, you can miss because the cross is loaded. The cross of Christ is the thing. (laughs) It is it. That is it. The cross of Christ. Pastor, can you elaborate? Hold on. Hold on. We are getting getting into it. The cross of Christ. So he says that we have been Buried with him in baptism, wherein also we are risen with him through the faith of the oppression of God, who has raised him from the dead. Now look at the next verse. Ah, it's getting a bit more intense. I like it the way he personalizes it. He said, you, you. <laughs> he brings it directly, leave the other. Sometimes when you are preaching, people are thinking, you know, this, this guy was here, should have been good? No, he said, you, <laughs> you. <laughs> Stop listening preaching for people. <laughs> you yeah, are listening to preaching for others, for your husband, for your wife, for your friend. Yeah, I can understand where you are coming from. It's it all happens to us. But he said you, you, and you and you being dead in your sins and the uh, circumcision of your flesh has he oh dead man sometimes people give the illustration of, of salvation as someone who is in the boat and the boat has capsized and you are sinking and then someone comes with a life jacket so jesus comes with a life jacket and said, take it come come he's trying to save you so sometimes people use that as an analogy for salvation no it's not like you are sinking you are dead under the water <laughs> yeah. so, Watch this, I'm going to say something a bit stronger. So there's nothing you can contribute to your salvation. He said, it is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. You can't be in church and think that it's because you are smart, no. It's not because, you are not in Christ because you are smart. Because there are people who are smarter than you and yet they are not in Christ. There are people who are smarter. You would think that the smarter people are the better, the easier they will be in Christ. Rather, sometimes the smarter they are, the far away they are in Christ. Yes. Why? Because it pleased God that in the wisdom of God, through human wisdom, man through human wisdom will not know God. So if you are naturally intelligent, it doesn't guarantee that you naturally find 1 Corinthians sorry, chapter 1. It's, that's God's operating system. It says that for after that, in the God also has his own way of doing It's the wisdom of God. That the world by wisdom knew not God. So you can do your research as much as you want. I'm researching to Christianity. <laughs> it doesn't mean you find it. You'll find God. Because God is not researched. God is revealed. Amen. Because I'm researching, I'm researching God, I'm researching God, I'm researching God, I'm researching God. It's just like standing here and then touching your tummy and say, I'm trying to calculate the length of my intestines there. The small intestine or large intestine, you are trying to by touching your belly. It, I think it's beyond that. You can't see, they say they said they are gems. But let me see. There's no gems. I shook the man's hand. I know he has coronavirus, but there's no virus in my hands. You <laughs> know, please. You can't use that to find the, if you even virus, you can't use your natural senses to find virus. How dare anyone think they can use their natural senses to discover God? God, small virus. Tiny, 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 tiny microcosm. You can't find him. So you just wear a mask, just in case, you, because you don't know who's carrying it. <laughs> you Just wear a face mask so that who inhale some virus. Yet we think, ah, I, I'm smart enough. I can research God. No, no one can research God so that when you are born again, you were actually dead, and God, by his own mercies. That's why salvation is a statement of mercy from God. In Ephesians chapter two, from verse one, it said, you are still quickened, who were dead in your transgressions and sin, look at it, by the world or whatever. And then it goes on to verse verse four, says that, but God, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherein he loved us. Even when we were dead, if even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us. Oh, yes, yes, yes. A Christian will be saying hallelujah for this. Even when we were dead in sin, he resuscitated us. He gave us new life. He quickened us. Now, that is the work of God. That's the work of God. He quickened us. He made us alive. No dead person can wake himself up. Wow. Not No dead person. In Inver- dead people don't wake up anyway. And some of us, even when, <laughs> when we are asleep, we need loud alarms to wake us up. <laughs> In the same way, God also is able to make us alive. God quickened us. Say quickened. That's the word, the biblical word. He quickened us. So Colossians again, he says that, verse 13, Colossians 2.13, and you, being dead in your sins, you have plenty of them. Many, many, many. Many, many damn sins you got. <laughs> and you sitting in church like you don't got damn sins. Come on. Many, many, many damn sins you got. So it's OK if people who used to know you, see, said this guy's in church? I don't believe it. That's OK, because you should understand they know you or they knew you. But the one they knew is buried with Christ. (laughs) Hallelujah! Hallelujah. They knew you in your dead state but they have to taste you in your living state. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! In First Peter chapter 1, Verse 3 and 4 talks about how God has made us alive again. Oh, he says that blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercies have begotten us again. Wow. Unto a lively, uh, well, uh, I think uh, New James says, a living hope. Yes. He has gotten into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. He gotten us again. Wow. We are born again. Yes. You are born again. When you are born the first time, you are born dead. You have to be born again to be alive in Christ. Born again. He has has made us alive. He has begotten us again. Born again. That's why we ask, are you born again? Are you born again? I was born from my mother's womb. No, that's not the one we are talking about. I mean, born again. I mean, the again, again. The again is after you grow. You can't be born again when you're a child. Because the second one is a decision. Your first birth is the decision of your parents. You didn't have to contribute to it. Sorry, I made a mistake. Is there anyone who contributed to your birth? (laughs) You didn't have any contribution. Then it's also true about your spiritual birth. Nobody contributes to their birth. So being born again, glory must always go to God. That is why you cannot be a praiseless Christian. You must always be thankful to God. You must always be grateful to God. You must always be grateful to God. You must always do, and consider that you never deserve it and you couldn't have done it by yourself. God did it. Even when you see struggles in your physical, your behavior, still be thankful that at least someone said, I, I know I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm no more where I used to be. Oh yeah. I thank God I'm no more where I used to be. I thank God I'm no more where I used to be. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. He quickened us again. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened? Or another word for quickened, has he made alive? Let's see, amplified. How amplified? Okay, New King James said made alive. Let's see, amplified, please. He said, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, worldliness, manner of life, God made you alive. It's like you didn't have to stop it. You were still there, and he came there and made you alive. That's the same thing that happened to Abraham. Abraham was an idolater, living with idol worshippers, and he was an idol worshiper. But the God of glory, according to Acts chapter 7, verse 2, the God of glory appeared to him. Wow! The God of glory. is the God of when he appeared to me. Abraham couldn't say no. That's why when it got time for you to be born again, in spite of all the things, me, I don't do church. I'm not religious. How come you're here now? You're here Sunday after Sunday, week after week. You've been in church for the past five years and you are enjoying it. Wow! Where did you get that from? No. God, God intervened. He Bible says that the light m- Broke through the darkness. He says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Interesting. He said, for we preach Christ, verse 6, let's go to verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, what has he done to us? He has shone in our hearts. Wow! To give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He did it! Without your permission. <laughs> Why are you born again? Because God chose to save you. Somebody say thank you, Lord. Thank you, That's why Christians are always thankful to God. In spite of what might be happening in your natural life, which might not be favorable, there's always something you can be thankful to God for. Your salvation. Your salvation. I might not have money, but I thank God I have Christ. I might not have a husband or a wife. I might not have a child. I might not have a job. I might not have what everybody has. I might not have friends, but thank God. I have Christ. I have Christ. Thank God. And that is a good platform for life. Hallelujah. So it talks about how he has made us alive again. Hmm. The last phrase there is so good. Is I like it. I like it. It takes the wind from the sail of my enemies when they come to accusing me before God. Because the devil knows something he can use against you, you know. Oh, yeah. Others may not know about you, but he knows. Yeah. The devil knows your enemy, our enemy, the devil. He knows something about you. He can use to accuse you before God. He can use to accuse you. But Bible says that in Christ, (laughs) put you on the screen. He says that having forgiven you, how many? How many? How many? How many? That's what's called good news. That's what's called good news. We owe a debt we can't pay. It's an unpayable debt. Not what they've done against you, but what you've done against God. It's an unpayable debt. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 to 27. He said that therefore is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king. Who would take account of his servants this is how the kingdom of heaven is like a king who will take account of his servants and what happened and when he had begun to reckon one was brought and that one I believe is me or you one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents look at the next verse but for as much as he had not to pay he didn't have what it takes to pay no something you can owe and you can't pay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is an un- unpayable debt. Yeah. He Give me New Kijans, please, so he can make it easier for Yeah. But as he was not able to pay, you, you can take your own boxes for God to smile. Yeah. You can't. Because once you are trying to even please him, you have done another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he said, as he was not his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had. And that payments be made. That's the law in those days. He can't pay. So, okay, get rid of him, his wife, his family, everything. And let's get a little bit of money to settle the debt, even though he can't pay the debt. And look at what happened. Then the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me. And I will pay you all. And what happened? Verse 27. The master of that servant was moved with compassion. And released him. And forgave him the debt. What? Oh, hallelujah. In the kingdom of God, there is forgiveness of sins. There is cancellation of debt. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about financial debts. No! The debts which you can never pay is the sins against God. We've broken his law. Every day we keep breaking it. So, he says that in him, you have forgiveness. He said, he has forgiven you all. Please don't take that lightly. Yeah. Yeah. That is actually at the core of the Christian good news. Don't go around arguing with people of other religion, who is right to re- this one is what we preach. You want it, okay, you have it. You don't want it, go to the next available head that one may want it. This is the Christian message. It's not about who is right and who is wrong. This thing of forgiveness of sins. But on what grounds will God forgive our sins? Hold on, it's still not. So he said, "We have forgiveness." Now look at the verse fourteen and verse fifteen, and I'm ending on verse fifteen. Verse fourteen. Hey, let's all read here from the screen. Let's go. Hallelujah! What this? Watch this? I realized he didn't realize it. This won't make much sense until you go back into the previous verse and read through. So it's like, yeah, it's making sense. let's pick it from the last statement. Having forgiven you all your trespasses, watch this. Blotting out. Oh, oh. So he just didn't forgive you. There are documents. There are written documents that show that you are a debtor. It's written. And it's enshrined in his law. Ordinances. Ordinances there mean the Jewish traditions and the religious system that tells you that a gentile cannot even mix with a Jew. These are ordinances. And that tells you the consequences of what happens to you if you sin. Listen, every one of us has broken the God's law. James chapter 2, verse 10. We are lawbreakers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. You are a lawbreaker, or you were a lawbreaker. And outside of Christ, you even break more. He says that, for whoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend at one point, is guilty of all. So James tells us that, can you imagine a police officer stops you for going through red? He says, officer, since I left the house 30 minutes ago, I've gone through only green. This is the only red I've gone (laughs) through. So you, you have to let me go. No, 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 no. It's like a necklace, a lady's pearl, okay, or chain. If it's broken at one point, all is broken. You can't wear a chain broken at one point. The law, if you break it at one point, you are guilty. So Romans chapter 3, verse 23 said, For all have sinned. Ah! Oh! So human being who is alive, there is a document, spiritual document endorsed by heaven which is against you. Handwriting of ordinances now. Those days there were translated handwriting of ordinances. It means that those days when you owe there is a certificate of debt that is handwritten. Yeah. Certificate of debt. So it's handwritten and you have a copy and your creditor also has a copy and then, beliefs. and sometimes if you default, they put it, in it's notice board, it's pinned to, everybody can see this guy hasn't paid. And then also, in those days, when they execute anyone, for your information, Jesus was not the only one who died on the cross, please. Please. When they executed anyone, in those days that they used to execute people on the cross, Roman times, and any time they executed anyone on the cross, they put the charge, as a notice on their head, not on their head, like on the, on the cross. So everybody will read, ah, this guy went to kill seven people. That's why he's you, you will see why they've been crucified. So anyone who is crucified on the cross, their charges are nailed to the cross wow. on their head. So do you remember when Jesus died, Pontius Pilate wrote something, king of the Jews. Yes. And then the Pharisees the said, no, oh, no, remove it. Don't write that. It's not the king of the Jews. He said, what I've written is written. That's why you said, I should crucify him. So his charges were king of the Jews. But Jesus Christ in Colossians, what we are reading now, in Colossians chapter chapter 2, verse 14, Bible says that blotting out, so that handwriting, certificate of death, that was against you. When he went on the cross, I'm going to get into the, the cracks. When he went on the cross, The cross was an interesting place. A lot was happening at the cross that meets the eye. The wicked and criminals who crucified Jesus were at the cross, right? His mother and some disciples were also at the cross. People were all walking. Jesus Christ himself was on the cross. You would think these are the only people on the cross. But behind the scenes, God was there also working. God started working on the cross. And you might think that's all principalities and powers were also there the cross was crowded wow. with witnesses and stakeholders <laughs> on the cross but what happened is that god bible says that the handwriting of ordinance that were against us he erased it he had a big eraser he said he brought it out hallelujah He brought it now. The ordinance there doesn't only mean the things that you have done wrong, but the law. There were things written in God's law. There are good things. Watch this. Watch this. The cross. It wasn't only when Jesus was dying on the cross. What he was destroying? He was destroying sin. He was destroying the devil. He was destroying the world. He was crucifying the flesh. He was so. He was crucifying sin, the devil, the world, the flesh. Anything that was contrary, he was crucifying it. But not only that. On the cross, he was also nailing the law. The good things. The good things that were not in your favor. The thing is good. God has said, you should do this. You should do this. He said, he took it out of the way. Nailing it to the cross. Hallelujah. So not only your sins were put on the cross. Also, the handwriting, the ordinances. The ordinances. But the commandment is good. Yes, it's good. But it was not working for you. It was not working for you. So Romans chapter 10 verse 4. It says that Christ is there. Oh, Christ is the end of the law. Why? Because He also took that ordinance that was not working for you. He took it, and what did He do? He, kn- oh, yeah. oh, he nailed it to the cross. Three major things that God was doing on the cross from this text verse 13, verse 14, and verse 15. Verse 13, He quickened us. He made us alive. See, I'm alive. alive. Verse 14. He nailed laws, systems, ordinances to the cross. Not only bad things. Because on the cross, he was. (laughs) I told you the cross was crowded, right? Who were around the cross? The wicked soldiers. The disciples. uh Jesus Christ Himself was there. And then what? Principalities. And I said, who else? God. God. But what would God be doing there? This is Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Brought in the handwriting of. How about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Look at this. This is sweet. This is good. For he himself, just talking about Christ, give me a new King James, please. For he, Christ himself, is our peace, who has made both one. Talking on Jews and Gentiles for the first time. Jews, you can understand why Paul had to rebuke Peter publicly. Yeah, they were good good brothers, but for once, Paul had to put Peter right, because Peter was playing the hypocrisy. When the Jews came around, he behaved like he doesn't mingle with Gentiles, in Galatians chapter two. So he was eventually misleading the people, because he didn't want Judaizers. When we say Judaizers, they are Judaizing you. They Are making Christians forcing <laughs> them into Jewish tradition. So in Acts, he says that why do we put on the Gentiles betting that we and you know, our fathers could were able to we couldn't even carry it. Our fathers couldn't carry it. And God has found a different way of saving us. And then when they he's saving them to them, we what we couldn't carry, we put it on their head that you have to meet this. That's unfair. So Peter said, Why are you putting on the Gentiles what we you know our fathers could not bear? We couldn't bear it. We couldn't bear it. Acts chapter 15, we couldn't bear it. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Why are you doing this to Gentiles? So the Jews were like that. Then some of the Jews still didn't understand that God is operating with a new system of grace. So when you become a Christian, they were imposing Judaistic rituals on you. That's what was happening in Colossae. They forcing people, you have to behave like a Jew. You have to start, start keeping Sabbath day. You have to how can you say you're a Christian, you're, you're, you don't keep Sabbath day? Saturday is a, all that, all that, all that. They were forcing it on them. And so Paul had to say, no, 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 listen, listen. You don't need that. One, you are completely... Tra- <coughs> you don't need that. And all your sins have been forgiven. And so he had to contest with them to the extent that he had to for once rebuke, he said, I withstood him to the face. I told him to the face. Paul, apostle, telling another apostle. And when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face. What? Why? Because... He was to be blamed. What has he done wrong? Look at the next. What has he done wrong? For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, because James was based in Jerusalem. When they came, he withdrew himself and said, fearing those who were of the circumcision. He was fearing. They would say, why are you eating with Gentiles? And even Barnabas was carried. Look at the next verse. Peter's behavior. And the rest of the Jews also played the the, the hypocrites with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Paul said, I I, I put it to Peter, you are misbehaving. Wow. Later, Peter was writing his epistle of Peter. He said, our brother Paul is a beloved brother. He wrote, he he said he wrote things that are hard to understand, especially if you are not learned. Peter was commending the writings of Paul because Paul was in the right. Listen, when someone says that I, I don't flow with Pastor David. I would love it for you to say, because of doctrine. Then Christians are talking. You hear what I say? You say, I, I, I don't want to be in this church. And you say, because of doctrine. Oh yeah, I think I agree with you. I agree with you. If your grounds is doctrine, that's, that's a good point. Because you must be so concerned about doctrine, your doctrine should, should determine where you fellowship. So if you have, have concerns of doctrine, it is a legitimate biblical grounds to withdraw fellowship. But any other reason for withdrawing fellowship is not healthy enough. Yeah. And let's allow people to disagree with our doctrines as long as both of us can go into the scripture and find out what the scripture says. Because that's why when you say, the Lord told me, the Lord told me, who can deny it? But if you say the Bible said, the Bible said, then we can all read and see if the Bible really said it. To the Bible, released this. So, any Christian fellowship that is not built on biblical doctrine is not even healthy. Yeah. You can, dis- even if it's your mother or father, you can disagree. Not disrespect, disrepe- please. You can disagree and decide to withdraw fellowship. If you are someone I look to spiritually, and you begin to bring doctrines that are contrary to clear doctrine. You are telling me that you can't be saved by only believing in Jesus but you also have to pray to angels. <laughs> I will not disrespect you. I will still love you but I can't have fellowship with you. I can't, I, can't, I can't have fellowship with you. We can discuss but our fellowship should be on the grounds of doctrine. So he said, I withstood Peter to the faith because his behavior was not doctrinal. I withstood stop Peter and so then, going back to the Colossians, he says that he, on the cross, when Jesus was on the cross, God was also working. What was he doing? He said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, for he is our peace. He himself is our peace. We have made both one and broken down the middle wall of separation. Whatever discriminates between people. Okay? Uh, black, white. Green, blue. Male, female. Employed, unemployed. Married, not married that this, whatever whatever, this brings discrimination in our koinonia, in our fellowship, Christ paid a heavy price. On the cross, he was also removing that thing so that we can have Christian fellowship. So on the cross, he also took away the, the discrimination that naturally exists amongst human beings. God, discrimination is natural. There are people you will never get on with by virtue of your background, your race, your color, something. It depends on your way your way of thinking or your political stance or your, your political party. There are some people you will know when it comes to politics, you, you don't fellowship with them. Even football. Yeah. Uh, yeah, even football, thank you. Even football. Arsenal and Chelsea and all those. I might be Peckham United. <laughs> and you are Kessington divided. <laughs> <laughs> and we are rivals when it comes to football. But when we come to church, we are brothers. Yeah. We don't care about football. We don't care about gender. We don't care about race. We don't care about status. Because Christ has paid a big price, taking it out of the way, putting on the cross. Put it, nailed it to the cross. Look at that. He says that for he himself is a peace. Who, Ephesians 2:14. For himself who has made both one. And removing and has broken down the middle wall of separation between us. Now look at the next verse. He didn't only remove this thing, but he abolished the enmity in his flesh that's on the cross. He used his flesh. He was that enmity that exists amongst human beings by virtue of different backgrounds or different persuasions. Even the law of commandment contained in the ordinance has appeared again. For watch this, give me new King James, please. So as to create. In himself, one new man from the two, thus making peace. So watch this. He wasn't only nailing the ordinance that against us to the cross. He wasn't only removing the middle wall of partition. He was also creating. On the cross, creation was going on. He was creating in himself one new man. That's another term for the church in the Bible. One new man. Making, creating one human. man. Verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10 just quickly. For we are his workmanship. That's God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. So Genesis chapter 1. First day he created. Second day he created. Third day he created. Fourth day he created. Sixth day he created man. And seventh day what happened? He rested. And then the next time he created was when Christ was, went to the cross. And the cross work was a creation. So God was also there on the cross. But he wasn't the only one there. And Christ was not only also removing separation. He wasn't only blotting out the handwriting and nailing it to the cross. He wasn't only crucifying the flesh. He wasn't only dealing a blow to the devil. He wasn't only removing sin, paying for sin. Something was also happening there on the cross. That's the verse 15, and then we'll finish on that. Look at verse 15. I love verse 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Ah. let's read it aloud from the screen. Let's go. Verse 8 says, be careful, let anyone spoil you. Yeah. He, Jesus on the cross, his poor principalities. Where were they? They also came there. Yeah. Principalities and powers there mean the hierarchical order. The hierarchical order of the demonic world. Yeah. Wow. They were all interested. Do you know, Satan didn't want Jesus on the cross. Well, yeah. Really? Yes. That's why Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Because in Matthew chapter 16, when he said, the Bible said, from then, I think verse 20, from that time, he began to tell his disciples how the son of man said, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. As soon as he said that, look at what happened. Look at what, Peter took him aside. By not Peter, who was working? wasn't Peter, not was Peter. Satan will always use the body, the closest body around you. He can be a bishop. The one who, is, who makes himself available, Satan will use you. Satan will use you. We are a church of revival. But if you make yourself available, Satan will use you yeah. for connival. <laughs> yeah. Satan likes using family members because they have our interests at heart, generally. But if they don't have our revelation, Mm. they might have our interest, but not our revelation. And their lack of revelation, they will advise us, and they will inspire us, or they will deal with us, they will relate with us. From their lack of revelation, they are advising you. Mm. 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 Principalities and powers, Bible said, he made an open show. Watch this, watch this, watch this, the, the, the cross is not a symbol of defeat. Wow, no, the cross is never a symbol of defeat. That's why Christians, many churches you can see cross there. That's why Paul said in Galatians chapter 16, he said, forbid that I should boast in anything, save the cross of Christ save the cross of Christ, because he triumphed. He said, triumphing over them in the cross, uh, Colossians. He said, having spoiled principi- his four principalities and powers, spoiled- he made them nothing. Hey. That's why Satan was afraid. He said, Peter, he, he inspired Peter. Peter said, Jesus, you can't die on the cross. He, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Because oh, it wasn't Peter. Satan was working. Satan feared the cross. Uh. Satan fear. The contest for the cross, the actual contest was in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus was sweating blood. God, this is hard to go. But it wasn't because he was afraid of death, but the sin that was going to be put on him he's so holy. He doesn't know how it's going to. He has never experienced sin. And your sin and my sin were going to be put on him. He said, if it's possible, Father, let this not come, this cup down. Because that's the only point that the father turned his face from Jesus. Because the sin was put on him, and the Father punished, put all our punishment on him. He paid the death in full, the debt we couldn't pay, the unpayable debt. He paid it. Christ paid it. That's why God can forgive all your sins, not because He's doing it arbitrarily. No, He's doing it based on justice. Because someone has paid for it and if you come into Christ, then Christ, God can say that all your sins are forgiven. Why? Because Christ has paid. That's why on the cross, He could tell somebody, today you shall be with me in paradise. Why? Because I paid for the sins. I paid for the sins. Shout hallelujah! Shout hallelujah! hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Triumphant over them in it, in the cross. Principalities came around. They thought that we are finished with this guy. But he triumphed over the devil. He triumphed over the principality. The cross is a symbol of triumph. The cross, wait if you get a chance to. Don't be ashamed of it. Wait if you have to. Worked. Why is it that some people are so animated about the cross? And the other, let me say this in closing. The other time I heard some, somebody saying, some, some, People, people are naturally ignorant. We are all ignorant at some point, you know that. So it depends on who your teacher is. <laughs> so if someone uses a gun to kill your father, someone who is very precious to you, kill him, will you go around wearing the gun in your neck? That this is what killed my father. No, you won't do that. Because they don't understand, to the Christian, the cross is not defeat. The cross is a symbol of victory. It's not a symbol of defeat. It's a symbol of victory. That's why we speak about the cross. That's why, in fact, everything happened at the cross. The cross is where you see the justice of God and the mercy of God converging. Hallelujah! God's justice, God is so just that he had to punish sin. At the same time, he's so merciful. So he was punishing your sins at the same time, releasing you through his mercies. It's the meeting point of the love of God and the anger of God. God has anger and God has love. They all converge on the cross on Christ. So when he was venting his anger against sin, he was demonstrating his love Towards the sinner. So then, God, when you are in Christ, He can look at you and say, Your sins are forgiven. I give you my righteousness. Your sins are forgiven. And yet, you haven't done anything good. But your sins are forgiven. Why? Because somebody has done it. And what the person did, Christ on the cross, God accepts that righteousness. God accepts that sacrifice. God accepts it. So let me add this scripture. In John chapter 16, verse 9 and verse 10. In John chapter 16, he said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin. Why? Because they do not believe. The world, verse verse 9 please, the world of sin because they do not believe. Sin before God is not so much based on what you do. It's whether you believe in Christ or not. That's what makes you a sinner. Your unbelief in Christ is what makes you a sinner. He said, Of sin, because they did not believe. But look, of righteousness, because I go to the Father. Hallelujah! Christ says that my ascension to God is the grounds of the righteousness that God can credit you. Because what? They- Christ's righteousness is the only righteousness God can accept. Ah. Every other righteousness is below standard. Christ went and showed his hands and presented his righteousness. God said, I accepted this. And he presented it on our behalf so that when we go to God in his name, when we go to God in Christ, we are accepted just as Christ was accepted. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. 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 There is so much more to the cross. The cross is not a symbol of defeat. It's not a symbol of sorrow. It's not a symbol of shame. The cross to the Christian is the symbol of joy, of victory, of pride, of celebration. Did you receive something? Come on, let's celebrate Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. You're welcome to Connect with David entry on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also find more spirit-filled messages from Karis Church on YouTube and all relevant streaming platforms. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share the message. Be blessed.